the News and Observer. I'm Don Vaughn, your host for this episode of Under the Dome for the week of Monday, May 1st, 2023. I'm here today with my politics team colleagues, Luciana Perez, Uribe Kinasi, and the newest member of our politics team, Corey Dean, who's moved over from another beat here in the NNO newsroom to cover higher education, which, as all our listeners know, um, has some um, political factors in it uh, as well. So, This past week was another busy one at the General Assembly. This coming week will be another busy one at the General Assembly. The reason for that is the crossover deadline of May 4th. So may the 4th be with you for crossover. Uh, Crossover means a bill needs to pass at least one chamber to be considered this session, with exceptions for bills like the budget or bills that we'll find out as a surprise later and uh, get an amend. But in general, most most bills have to get through, through crossover. But before we get to crossover, Let's talk about the three North Carolina Supreme Court decisions that came down Friday, just as we are recording uh, earlier, a now scrapped version of the podcast. Uh, those uh, those decisions came down on Friday. We haven't re- yet all read the f- over 400 pages of the decisions, but we at least know the gist. <laughs> and um, so here it is. Uh, the Supreme Court, um, for those of you that don't know, is majority Republican now. It was majority Democrat before uh, two rulings were made in December during that lame duck time of the majority Democratic Supreme Court. Now the majority Republican Supreme Court said, you know, here's our turn to reverse basically what uh, what you did. So they reversed two decisions uh, on redistricting and voter ID and issued a third ruling denying voting rights for some people convicted of felonies. Uh, so let's see, the 2018 voter ID law was struck down um, by the court in December, saying it was racially discriminatory. Um, a lower court had restored voting rights to people convicted of felonies who are out of prison but remain under state supervision. And then as far as the maps go, it looks like we're going to see redrawn congressional maps which is significant because right now it's 7-7 Democrats and Republicans, and there's probably a good chance it won't be like that after they're, after they're um, redrawn. So that's a really quick recap. As I said, it's 400-some pages. Luciana, you looked a little more into what the decision was about people convicted of felony. So what, is, what does this mean? Yeah, so the Supreme Court reversed the trial court ruling, which gave uh, people convicted of felonies who were serving serving sentences and um, who had any court fees pending to pay uh, the right to vote while serving those sentences. And so they essentially reversed that trial court ruling, which means that thousands of people could lose the right to vote. And yeah. All right. So as it's um, as you can tell by us talking on Friday, we're mid writing all these explainer mm-hmm. stories of exactly what this means. Um, But, of course, we wanted to make sure you have something to listen to on your drive to Raleigh on Monday for those lawmakers who um, who aren't in the Triangle area. And if you thought you didn't have anything to do uh, until Tuesday, well, surprise, you better get here because House Judiciary is meeting at three o'clock on Monday. And there are several bills, Community Association Oversight Division, Respiratory Care Modernization Act, Second Amendment Financial Privacy Act, Healthcare Practitioner Transparency Act and twice as many as that. And then the Senate, um, there's education. Higher education meets at four. So if you're in that chamber, better get to Raleigh. You have something to do today. 
Um, or if you don't listen to this till Tuesday, you're late and you missed your meeting. <laughs> and the Senate uh, Senate rules and, and voting session. So, Corey, you've all been thrown in immediately to, to higher ed, not much of a segue. Um, so you've already covered some things this past week. So what what's already been moving recently? Yeah, so I covered um, two House bills this week. Um, one is House Bill 607. Um, which kind of takes a UNC Board of Governors policy that passed in February and would extend it to the state's community colleges. Um, So it deals with um, what lawmakers, what the Board of Governors are calling compelled speech. And that's just kind of the idea that in hiring or in admissions practices, um, universities and colleges would not be able to ask applicants about their opinions, beliefs, views on uh, quote, cont- matters of contemporary political debate or social action. So um, it's kind of broad, but, um, you know, people, uh, you know, opponents kind of say it could target um, diversity, uh, questions about diversity. Um, the proponents of it say that it would um, kind of make the processes uh, better for conservative students, conservative employees um, who would not be, you know, required to say whether they agree with um, certain political opinions. So um, that was in committee this week, got a favorable report. And then um, another House Bill 715, um, that was supposed to be heard in committee this week, but it was pulled um, from the calendar. So still trying to see where that's going or um, what, yeah, what will happen. But um, that would, among several other things, eliminate tenure for um, future faculty hired at um, colleges and universities. Um, So you know, faculty say that tenure protects academic freedom. Um, So, you know, they're worried about um, having that potentially eliminated. So, um, and then looking ahead to next week, um, Senate Bill, I think it's 692, the Community College Governance Bill will be in committee. And I know that, Luciana, you've covered that more than I have since we've been in a little bit of a transition. Um, But that's another higher ed bill and topic to look forward to. Before we get to community colleges, the, the two things with the conspelled, compelled speech and tenure are a lot about hiring. Um, people, of course, know that's the vacancy rate for state employees across North Carolina is um, getting incrementally bigger over the past few years, has not bounced back from the pandemic, and it's more than 20 percent. Do you, and a lot of that is state agencies, are you hearing anything about how these changes will make it easier, harder to hire and to recruit and like retention? Or is there any um, thoughts on that from people that are already working there or trying to get people to work there? Um, so specifically um, regarding tenure, I talked to two professors at UNC um, this week who said that um, eliminating tenure would make it very difficult to attract faculty. Um, you know, it's that's an attractive offering for faculty when they're looking for a job because it, you know, uh, provides job security, um, allows them to, you know, teach about topics that might be viewed as controversial. So, um, you know, they, uh, the faculty I talked to said that it would kind of make the, you know, public colleges in North Carolina a bit of a pariah that people wouldn't want to come here. Um, so, yeah, and and they said the bill, um, as it's written currently, wouldn't affect faculty who currently have tenure, but you know, I think that there's obviously a worry on faculty that, you know, that might be next or that they, you know, still might or that they might feel less comfortable teaching topics that they do now, even if they have tenure. So, um, yeah, it's, at least from the faculty perspective, seems like it will affect that. 
I'm sure we'll hear a lot more from faculty as this moves ahead or doesn't move ahead. As I was saying, you know, earlier with crossover, as far as things getting through the chamber, the deadline is is a self-imposed deadline. So there's always a way to put something in um, later in the session. And uh, another thing that'll come up before the the Senate budget comes out in a couple weeks is pay. And the university system employees, community college system employees, teachers, rank and file state employees always want to know about how much that they're getting. And the House budget had uh, higher raises than they usually give. Uh, of course, not as high as Cooper wants because uh, um, Democrats generally support higher raises than Republicans do, but the House supports higher raises than the Senate. So if the Senate comes out with these um, low-balled raises and then these other factors, we'll see how that um, how that plays with with workers, existing workers, and and workers that 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 want to come. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Luciano will talk a little bit more about the community colleges bill we just uh, mentioned, and then we will share our picks for headliner of the week. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm News and Observer State Capitol Bureau Chief Don Vaughn, here with my colleagues Luciana Perez, Uribe Ginasi, and Corey Dean. If you missed that at the intro, again, Corey Dean is our new higher education reporter and on the politics team, since there's plenty of, to make a crossover joke, crossover between higher <laughs> education and, and politics. So speaking of crossover and things that are moving ahead, what's this about um, community colleges that you were going to talk about? Yeah, so Senate Bill 692. It would allow the legislature um, to get more say in uh, how the community college system is governed. Uh, specifically, it would give them the final say on who is elected the community college president, as well as allow them to get more appointments into the state board as and uh, take those appointments from the governor. Uh, it also takes some power from local um, boards, uh, local community college boards, uh, of trustees and uh, gives more pa appointments to the legislature as well. So it's kind of a shift around of uh, just who gets control decisions. So the usual legislature wants more power and wants mm -hmm. the governor to have less power. Kind of what's different at play this time is that um, it was more or less like targeted directly to Roy Cooper in the past, but since Cooper is not going to be around much longer, it's either targeted to Josh Stein if he becomes governor uh, from the Democrats or Republicans, if it's Robinson or Fulwell or Walker, um, but the end is always the legislature wants more more power. And as as Republicans have pointed out, when they do this, that's how North Carolina should be set up. That the legislature should have more power than the governor, but that's also people in the legislature saying yeah. that. So I and former about... governors uh, filed a letter basically saying that you know they shouldn't be putting so much power into the legislature and taking it from the governor. So kind of a, a debated topic and the bill was pulled last week from uh, the Senate uh, floor, then pulled from a committee and now is being rescheduled. So it's going to be interesting to hear kind of what were some concerns potentially in that bill. All right. So let's get to our picks for headliner of the week. I don't know if this is Corey, your inaugural headliner. There was, a, we had a episode after election night that the Corey was on that listeners will know where you talked about how you got to sit outside. Was it the Bo Hines election night event? So great, great moments in the podcast recap history. So I don't remember your headliner then, but um, you want to go first for what your, who or what is your headliner of the week? Yeah, it kind of sticks with the theme, obviously, since I'm covering higher education. We've talked a lot about community colleges on this podcast today, but 
Um, my headliner is that the North Carolina Community College System has a new president. Um, the state board appointed uh, Jeff Cox, who is the current president of Wilkes Community College or Wilkes Community College in Western North Carolina. Um, that happened, I think it was last Friday, if I, that my memory serves me correctly. Um, and then there was also a press conference this past um, Monday with um, Governor Roy Cooper and uh, State Superintendent Catherine Truitt. Um, among others, just welcoming him formally to the job. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's an exciting time for the community colleges. Um, he had, you know, he's been in education for like three decades um, as a principal, a teacher, a superintendent. So um, yeah, that is my headliner. The, the community college system has a new president. He'll start um, in on July first. Okay. Maybe the legislature will be out by then. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> With legislative time, you mentioned not knowing when things happen. Legislative time is like a whole like space age time <laughs> warp of. My family always asked me, "When is the session going to be done?" I'm like, <laughs> "It's like who oh, knows." <laughs> <laughs> Other states have that. North Carolina does not. So, all right, Luciana, who or what is your headliner? Um, so I feel like every time I'm on here, I pick just random headliners. Mine is just literally the, all the rainy weekends. I'm very displeased about it. I like to go on hikes. I like to like, I want to start cleaning up my garden and now it's snake season. So it's kind of ruined it for me. So yeah, just the rainy weekends. You kind of threw snake season in there. Yeah. Yeah. Basically I wanted to rake underneath my house and like get my garden ready before it became snake season. But because it was raining every weekend, I couldn't. So just not pleased. I saw on Twitter <laughs> that it's rained, I think, 15 of the 17 weekends so far yep. in Raleigh this year. So that's a lot of rain. Yeah. Mario, we're always timed for the weekend. Yep. Very weather stuff. Exactly. and a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have uh, stuff to do. So <laughs> my headliner is uh, Newsy. Um, like I said, we're recording this Friday and our schedules got all thrown off. So it uh, looks like we were not able to, to cover this. But I wanted to let people know. Um, Representative Justin Pearson, who's one of the Tennessee three state lawmakers that were briefly booted from their legislative seats in Tennessee, um, their legislature. Pearson was in town um, as we're recording this at the end of this past week to speak at the North Carolina Black Alliance's summit. And uh, he, I guess in the context of North Carolina, could something similar like what happened there happen here? I would say probably not. I don't think so, or a version of that. But um you never know. That's what makes the, the legislature fun. There's a, a bit more decorum involved, even when there's not decorum involved, as far as um, how they treat each other. So I think if somebody tried to um, boot someone from, I don't, I don't think that would that would go over very well. And, and those of you who remember the House Budget Veto override from 2019 with Representative Deb Butler and Speaker Moore. They're both still here and still talking and pretty cordial, more or less. So nobody got taken out and uh, and things so far have been, you know, relatively friendly still. Yeah, um, they've been relatively cordial. Yeah. So we'll <laughs> see if that we'll see if that lasts or not. All right. For uh, Luciana and Corey and me, I'm Don Vaughn, the News and Observer. Thanks for listening. Uh, happy crossover week. And we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.